0: Hello and welcome to Cortisol Dreamin'. You are officially listening to episode one. This podcast will present my life as an adrenal insufficient warrior, bringing the empowerment and hope to other warriors and creating an awareness to the world about the disease we have. What is this episode going to be about? I'll tell you. It's going to be about me, Brian Hacker, and I'm going to tell you who the adrenal insufficient warrior athlete is. I'm sort of riffing on this version because you know, it's kind of hard to just outline it all. I'll do my best and hope you enjoy. My story starts in 1968. I was born in June. I was starting to fail to thrive. My mom started getting worried and she took me to the doctor. It was around the beginning of July and they sent me to Children's Hospital, Los Angeles. It was there on the day that I entered, a new resident came into the emergency room and helped me. For some unknown reason, she decided to do tests and it came up with adrenal insufficiency, a very rare form in which I'm also a salt loser. Now, let me back up a little bit. Who are my parents? Well, they're Bill and Louise Hacker. And I had a brother at the time, well, still do, Pat. He was about seven years old, almost seven. And they were worried. So while I was at Children's Hospital Los Angeles, as they were still trying to figure it all out, and I was still failing to thrive, I was administered the last rites. I had a baptism. But, as you can tell, I'm still here. You know what? I'm glad I am because I can tell my story and I can help people. Now, Children's Hospital Los Angeles became a part of my life. It was like a second home. I would go quite often to get blood tests, urinalysis, and even at that time, they were still studying adrenal insufficiency, to learn how to take care of it, to learn how to medicate for it. Oh, I had a lot of blood tests, pokes, anything you name it, I had it. Then I grew up, went to elementary school. I was a little bit chubby. I've had that question asked of me from a lot of people. That was probably the uh, hydrocortisone that I was taking for it. But you know what? I didn't really notice. I did have my occasional trips to uh, the nurse's office. Not totally sure what that was about, but you know, what you're going to do? Also, sorry about that pause. I just had to think for a second. My parents also didn't hold me back. I went to friends for sleepovers, I went to friends for parties, I went to friends for Anything that a non adrenal insufficient child would do. I don't like saying normal because we're all normal in our own way and we're all abnormal in our own way. I also played soccer. This was a little bit of a concern as I've learned. You know, my parents would talk to the coaches about it. I'd need some extra salt, that I'd need some extra attention and heat was not good for me. Salt tablets. Ooh, boy, those big, big, big salt tablets. <laughs> I hated those things. But you know, with salt wasting, you need it. But elementary school was a lot of fun. Then middle school. Well, actually, when I went there, it was junior high. Grades 7, 8, and 9. I started growing. And as some adrenal insufficient warriors will understand, or their parents will understand, started getting hair in places that I'd never considered. And that's okay. I was always a little bit shorter than most kids. I was always a little slower. Slower didn't have anything to do with AI. But the growing did, the growth did, the height. I was always concerned. I'd been told that I'd be about 5'4". Or 5'5 when I reached my full height. I was excited when I hit 5'8. Now, in junior high, I started playing baseball. I joined the marching band. This is a lot of work. People don't understand how much work marching band is. My parents would always come to the events. And they'd watch. And they'd make sure everything was going on. Except what I didn't realize is that they were there because of the adrenal insufficiency. Now, now, I won't get it. Don't get me wrong. I enjoyed having my parents there and thought it was really cool. You know, not everybody had their parents there for every competition. Yes, almost every competition. But it was good. Also, I went to my first sleepaway camp. This was a little bit of a challenge because at the sleepaway camp, they would not allow medications into the cabin. So I had to go to the nurse or whoever it was that would hold the medications and go take them and hope that I didn't need them another time. Oh, well. I survived. Then high school. High school was something that... Brought on some challenges. It was the first time when I had it introduced that there was the emergency shot that we all know now as Solucortev. I tried it once. Not on myself. But on an orange. That's the only time I've ever used it. Until later on in life when I actually pulled it out and did it again. On an orange. But that story will come in another episode. Marching band and band camp were even more work than in junior high. Hours upon hours upon hours upon hours of practice. And then band camp was again sleeping away. Field shows were another situation. If anybody ever says that field shows and marching don't take a lot of strength, have them go out there and perform. But again, it was a lot of fun. I enjoyed it. It was who I was. I still played baseball. I never was good at it, but I really enjoyed it. So I then had a time where I went to South Africa. I flew from California all the way to South Africa with a couple stops in there in New York and then Belgium Belgium is where I really discovered beer that comes in another story when I go to college something else that I want to talk about or cover as I'm talking about growing up is having an ID bracelet medical alert was my choice of ID well actually my parents choice because it was really the only thing out there Always had my Medical Alert bracelet. Even to this day, I've gone back and forth, but I almost always have had a Medical Alert bracelet. I have another version right now called a Road ID, but I'm going to be going back to Medical Alert in a little while. If you don't have one, make sure you get one. All right, now, graduating from high school, you look at colleges, you figure things out. I knew I didn't want to be around home. I wanted to get away. So, where do I choose? Marquette University, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Beer capital of the United States. If you've watched a Vernon Shirley or Happy Days, you know about Milwaukee. But my parents never discouraged it. They never discouraged anything, really. And that was okay because I never knew any better. I never knew anything different. I didn't know anyone else with adrenal insufficiency. It was just me. I heard there were other people, but who knew? Taking medicine during this time also was no big deal. Some people now say, oh, don't say this to your children that you have to take it. If they ask why, tell them you'll die if you don't take it. But you know what? Taking medicine became second nature for me, and I didn't want to die. So I kept taking it. Well, I went away to college in Milwaukee. I flew there, had a great time, loved it, made a lot of good friends. But it was the first time I was responsible for myself. Fully responsible. One thing about Milwaukee at that time, the age for drinking had just been increased from 18 to 21. But if you lived in Wisconsin and were 18, you got grandfathered in. So that meant a lot of access to beer. I'm not condoning drinking at the wrong age. I'm not condoning drinking too much. It was the life that I led. It was the life that I did. There were times where I did drink too much. Where I did get drunk. Where I did have too much fun. But the next morning, I'd take some more medicine and try and recover. There were times where I got sick. And this was another experience. There was one time, and a lot of you will understand this part of the story. I got sick, didn't know where to go, really. I ended up at the Children's Hospital in Milwaukee. My knowledge of it, my memory of it, got into the emergency room, got admitted. They asked what was wrong. I said I had the flu, was vomiting, couldn't keep my medicine down. Told them that I had adrenal insufficiency, the rare genetic form that I have and told them what they should do or what had been done to me in the past i'd get an iv full of liquid get a boost full of uh solucortif or hydrocortisone in the iv and within hours i'd be better well you know what i was so that was that experience in college i know i'm rushing through a few of these things and that's okay because in future episodes i'm sure There will be other things covered, and people will ask, and I'll hopefully answer them. So, I graduated from Marquette and didn't know where I was headed. Came back to California. Now, what you got to understand, and it still is a problem for people, is it's hard to find a doctor once you've left the pediatric version of endocrinology. Not many adult endocrinologists at the time, and maybe some even now, have knowledge of adrenal insufficiency. And I wasn't real good about doctors, but they did their best. Probably misdiagnosed me with dosages I should be taking, but I kept up. I then went to work for a public relations agency that traveled. We traveled to Las Vegas quite often, traveled to a couple other places, had fun. Then I met my wife, my first wife, and we wanted to have children. And it was a dilemma for me. Oh, I wanted them. We were going to have children. But what would happen? I knew that there was a chance that they could end up being with adrenal insufficiency. I talked to doctors about it. I told them about it. I said, we need to be aware. And this was before they did genetic testing on newborns, or at least genetic testing for adrenal insufficiency. So you took your chances. Sadly, no, not sadly. Unfortunately, doctors, like I kind of said, have not take it did not take it seriously, and I was really concerned. So, when my firstborn Molly came into the world, and they said it was a girl, I asked the doctors several times, "You're sure? You're positive? Everything looks okay?" And they said, "Yep, everything looks good." Then we had our second daughter, Maggie same thing. Neither one have AI, adrenal insufficiency, but they are carriers and I need to educate them on that. I've talked to them about it. When they decide to have their own children, they need to be aware because they are carriers and all it would take is another carrier and there's a percentage that they could have an adrenal insufficient child. But as I know and as many of you know, there's no reason to worry. It's a lot of work. And you know what? I thank all you parents out there. I cannot imagine what it's like to be bringing up a child with adrenal insufficiency. Keeping up with the dosages, keeping up with the medications, waking up in the middle of the night to give medicine, waking up your child or, as I've read some parents, sort of getting their child awake and getting it in their mouth so that they barely wake up and get it in them. It's a lot of balancing, a lot of blood tests. Some of the pictures I've seen of children screaming and crying and scared, I get it. But good parents look after their children. So, had my daughters. Now, one of the most major adrenal crises I've had, came shortly after Oh, I think it was after Molly was born. I had to have a hernia surgery. I thought I'd dosed correctly, and doctors, again, remember, didn't really know much about it, so they thought they had told me how to dose correctly also. I don't believe there was anything put into the IV as I had my surgery. I can see some of you rolling your eyes and probably know what's going to happen next. Made it through surgery okay. I was in the recovery unit. And started getting cold, really cold, shivering cold. They put blankets on me to warm me up. They thought, oh, it's just part of the recovery and coming out of the anesthesia. But then I kept watching my blood pressure go down and down and down and down. And then they got concerned. I don't remember much after that because you know, I believe I blacked out, and they gave me the medicine, and I recovered. But unfortunately, For a hernia surgery that you're able to go home from the same day. I was there a couple days. Then in 2010, well, let me backtrack a little bit. I then got another job with the National Hot Rod Association, touring around the country. This meant multiple stops in multiple cities, going from event to event, and it got us. Got me looking at places that might be good to move to. As I would fly into an area, the first thing I would look at as we were landing were there trees outside. Being from Southern California, there are areas where there really aren't many trees and landing is kind of dull and dreary, especially if you're coming into Ontario International Airport. Basically, it's desert. So seeing trees when you're landing was amazing. Oh, it was great. Dallas. Fantastic. Almost anywhere else. Had trees. And that's where I wanted to move. That's where I wanted us to move. North Carolina was a place where we looked at because of my dad, and my mom. Well, my dad. My mom passed away in 1999. Sorry, I'm kind of backtracking here. She had a uh, brain aneurysm, passed away. So it was just my dad. And he lived in Wilmington, North Carolina after leaving California and going to Hungary, yes, the country of Hungary, to work for Pizza Hut and Dunkin' Donuts. And they settled in Wilmington, North Carolina while he worked for a company. The first time I got to go out to see him or got to go out to Wilmington, unfortunately, was after my mom passed away. But it was beautiful and found out North Carolina was beautiful. So, we had thought about moving to North Carolina. Life got in the way, and in 2010, unfortunately, my wife and my daughters moved to North Carolina. Not with me. We divorced, and I finally got to North Carolina at the end of December, actually the beginning of December in 2010. To start a new life. It was lonely, it was sad, but you know who I had? I had my dog, Cookie. Cookie got me through a lot, and she always did. If you've ever had a dog, you know dogs are important. They know what's going on, and they will take care of you. So I moved to Concord, North Carolina in December. Lived life of a bachelor. Not very well. Matt had got assigned to a doctor, an endocrinologist. This is a story that people will love. Who treated me just like a number. Treated me. I went there once. Did not feel like I'd been paid attention to. Did not like it. Talked to my um, primary care physician. and She referred me to another doctor. And that's great he is phenomenal well in 2012 I met my current wife Meryl and we got married my first wife was amazing and always looked after me took care of me and Meryl accepted me and started learning all about adrenal insufficiency She has a daughter also. So we had my two daughters who lived with their mom. And we had her daughter. That was a little bit of a challenge. Blended families. But I've taught them all about adrenal insufficiency. I've taught them that there's not a problem. There are challenges. But I can live life however I want to live it. Now, my doctor, my endocrinologist, Dr. Adam Spitz, took me under his wings. Eh, that's kind of a corny phrase. Found an interest in what I have. He treated some people with adrenal insufficiency, just uh, one that was brought on by medical conditions, but not one with a genetic condition like I have, the rare genetic form. But he was willing to learn. There were some odd tests that came up, and I'll address those maybe at another time. But he learned about it. So if you're an adult and you have adrenal insufficiency, keep looking. Ask questions. Advocate for yourself. And hopefully that will help. And that's what I'm here to do as the adrenal insufficient warrior athlete is to educate, maybe a little bit. There's others out there that will educate better, but I will always come to them, and if anybody wants some help, I can refer. But I'm here to show you what can be done, how to live life. And that's where the next episode, where I talk about the Adrenal Insufficient Warrior athlete, who he is, how it came to be, and how many of you know who I am, and others are starting to learn about me. So, I'll end this episode talking about myself, stretching it out a little bit, maybe. And I'll join you in the next episode. But for now, what I'd hope to ask you to do, and I'll say I'm cheating, I'm kind of stealing from other from other podcasts I've listened to, please subscribe to my podcast, rate it. And I also have a button where you can do some listener support. It'll help me increase the equipment that I can use for this and make it better. And just enjoy listening. And if you ever have suggestions, leave me a message, send me an email, reach out, look up Adrenal Insufficient Warrior Athlete and reach out to me. I am an open book. I should have started out with that. I am an open book. So, until next time, this is episode one, my life. I'll see you on the other side with episode two.